0: Well, hello, and welcome back to another scary, great edition of Ghost Stories Told from the South. I am your host, Stephen LeBooth, and I got some good old stories for you today, my friends. So, if you're looking for something scary to wind down from the day, I've got it for you hope everybody's doing great and welcome back guys I'm your host Stephen booth the host of this thing we got some good good scary stuff to talk about gonna keep talking about the road so sit back relax and uh don't get scared alrighty then okay. But I hope everybody's having a great week. I wanna say thank you out there for liking my uh podcast and liking the YouTube channel. <laughs> I'm gonna try to start going live on the weekends every weekend for a little bit. <clears throat> Just to, you know, on YouTube, I guess. Or whatever good good streaming system is. So you guys let me know. Uh good streaming system. Rago, what are you doing? Anyways, um, yeah, sorry, I was yelling at the dogs. Didn't mean to yell at y'all. But, like I said, I want to say thank you to everybody listening around the world. We are getting some great download numbers, and uh, people are liking the show more and more. So, keep telling your friends about it. Keep doing whatever you're doing, and um, yabba-dabba-doo. do. right. Now, like I said, we got roads I'm going to cover still because it's summertime. I think after today, I'm going to research. Uh, I know I'm still going to keep it on roads, But I think I'm going to try to start doing some from around the world and see. I did some of this last year, so I'll see uh, if I covered any, what roads I covered. I'll I'll just do one section or one country at a time. I might start out with Mexico because they got, I just love their culture. And they have a lot of spooky stuff that happens down there. So, yeah. Anyways, guys, like I said, thank you very much. Hope your week is going great. And I uh, just want to say thank you out there listening. But if you're ready, I'm ready. Sit back, relax. Get you a nice warm blankie and a cup of coffee or some Joe, hop a cup of Jojo. And get ready to be scared. All right. That was kind of retarded, but. Sorry if I offended anybody with that, but uh, yeah. All right, our first story. What's going on? Y'all hear that too? Anyways, our first story we're going to talk about is I 4, the Dead Zone in Florida. The I 4 Dead Zone, Florida's haunted highway. Each day thousands of unsuspecting drivers pass over a section of highway known to locals as the uh, I-4 dead zone. This un has this un oh, unassuming quarter mile is called oh, is said to be the one- said to be one of the most haunted highways in the nation. But, like I said, they say that about everything that's haunted. Where was I? How uh, was in the nation? It's the site of the failed German immigration colony and the final resting place of settlers who died during a horrific yellow fever outbreak in 1879. It's said that deadly conquest were, okay, con- conquest were in stone for anyone who disrupted the, uh, bur- the burial grounds, <coughs> including <clears throat> the developers who paved over it to build the road and bridge that stands today. If you are planning a trip to Florida, check out our our list. Of haunted places to discover. That's what they're saying if you go on the site. But We're not going to talk about everything. I'm going to get my bifocals on. Maybe turn my light on just a hair. See if that got any brighter. Oh, well that's as bright as that one goes. Oh, well I'll get my bifocals real quick. And we'll finish up that story. All right. There we go. I just hate wearing them because I feel like I'm in a flipping, a flipping bubble. I feel like I'm in a bubble. Okay, in 1870s, a real estate... Anyways, talking about what they did up here. They uh, built something. or They bought the land and bought the burial grounds and built something over it and didn't remove the bodies or nothing. And... I can kind of testify to stuff like this because when I lived in Oklahoma for about two two and a half years, I would go. uh went to an Indian cemetery, and that's what they were saying. Because I asked them, I said, "Why do they have their personal items on the uh, tombstones? You know, aren't they worried about people coming up here and stealing it?" And they said, "Well, no. If they uh, it, it, the legend goes, if you take something." you'll be haunted and bad shit will happen to you. So if you're ever at some cemetery and there's something on it, some tombstone, uh, leave it alone. Man, do y'all hear that cracking too? I'm sorry, I'm a perfectionist when I like my audio sounding great. Okay, so anyways, now we're going to go back to the history of the land. In the 1870s, a real estate mogul named Henry Stanford Marked the southern shore of Lake Monroe to incoming immigrants and potential centrist farmers. He sold 640 acres to a group of German immigrants who founded St. Joseph. Get off. Uh, St. Joseph's Catholic Colony. Prior to its the uh, area was untamed wilderness with nothing but Florida wildlife and hand-oper in a hand-operated river ferry. The land was part of a large grant owned by Henry Sanford, head of the Florida Land and Colonization Company. In 1886, a tiny railroad station was built at the built at the land was uh, divided into 10-acre plots to sell off to potential farmers and investors. One of these uh, attendants was a group of Catholic immigrants. Their priest, Felix Swigberg, oversaw the settlement. According to the Central Florida Historian Colonization Efforts ended after only four families moved to the area. St. Joseph's Catholic colony never really took off. In 1887, a yellow fever breakout sealed the fate of the land forever. This deceased killed four members of one of the families, and with the rest of the colonies fearing, the, fearing that the fever was uh, contagious, the bodies of the dead were buried in the woods, just north of, north of the railroad, farther, Swingemberg was called back to the area to perform the last rites of the deceased, but he never returned to the colony. Just three days after arriving in Tampa, he, uh, oh, he succumbed to fever, and with his death went the known location of the gravesites. Oh. Uh, so it was their burial ground. It wasn't no ancient burial ground. Some believe that the uh, some believe that because the people never received their last rites, their souls could not rest, and they roamed the area angry at the living. This uh this may explain the bizarre happenings surrounding, with uh, surrounding this stretch of road today. Over the years, the story is of colony becoming something of a legend. It is believed that bad luck would befall anyone who tampered with the grave sites. Locals say that a farmer's house burned to the ground and it was reduced to a smoldering embers after the after he removed the grave markers. And later, a child was run down by a truck driver after he dug uh, dug around the site during play. Just enough unexplained activity was, or was occurring, to earn the area the grim nickname "Field of Death." Hey, would y'all quit back there? Y'all are scaring me. The field was sold to the state when Florida became, when Florida, Florida began to purchase land to build a new highway, while the grave, while the graves were intended to be moved they were deemed unappropriate and for, uh and forgotten the field was paved over and it was in uh, the field was paved, paved over as if it was was not a hollowed uh, ground see this is what happened a lot back in the day this is not only the, this is the first time i've read about something like this where these people wanting to save money and shit Will go out purchase land even though they know there's there's a cemetery there screw it just move the headstones don't move the bodies they won't know and then it usually comes back to bottom of the ass because they find out about it soon after when soon after when fell dirt was dumped on the site in true florida fashion a hurricane ravaged the area hurricane donna changed course passing over the grave site on September 10th of 1960. And leaving a wake of destruction. In, uh, a wake of destruction in her way. I didn't mean to laugh like I was. It's just kind of ironic. That it went straight. Changed directions. And went straight over to the fucking. Um, to the dang. Um, graves, And tore all of that up. That's just wow crazy. The entire in- Interior of Central Florida. Oh, it affected the interior of Central Florida in centuries. Uh, Strange enough as it oh, so basically what they're saying is that was one of the worst storms that Central Central Florida has had in centuries. Strange enough as it is, but when wilder, when but even wilder weirder, is the fact that the hurricane. Followed an unexplained path. It had already crossed South Florida from the Atlantic and apparent to be heading west into the Gulf of Mexico when it when it early eerily changed course and followed I four through Central Florida. That's fucking crazy. So this hurricane changed course and followed I four I mean dang. That's nuts. With the eye of the storm passing over the gravesite just around midnight, many locals believe that the highway construction tampering with the dead caused the Path of of Donna. In 2004, another hurricane named Charlie took the same route as Donna and passed over the gravesite's. Unsurprisingly, construction work was uh, happening around the uh, gravesite when the hurricane arrived. This was just the beginning of eerie legacy of the dead zone. That's crazy. Anytime they try to build on there or get it built back up, a freaking hurricane comes. Well, I don't think I would uh, buy that land and build crap on it. If I was the state of Florida, I'd buy it, put, uh, put a fence around it so no one can build on it ever The Interstate 4 highway is a 132-mile freeway that runs through Florida between Daytona Beach and Orlando. Orlando lies the dead zone, located at St. Johns River. Drivers and visitors to the I-45 dead zone tell of strange occurrences as they pass over this specific stretch of road. Cell phones are known to pick up voices at the south end of uh, I-4 Bridge in Seminole County. One witness reported that that if you're talking with someone on the phone, the conversation will be interrupted by voices of the dead. Crazy! The section of the road this section, or the section of the road, is also infamous for an unexplained amount of deadly car accidents. On the day that the interstate was open for traffic, a truck hauling frozen shrimp was the dead zone's first casualty. It lost control and jackknife right above the gravesite. Oh my god. Frequent uh, deadly accidents are believed to be caused by the spirits of the dead buried beneath the cold uh, cement of the highway. <gasps> Excuse me, got the hiccups. Other unexplained events include random static on CB radios, cell phones turning off turning off on their own, wispy balls of light uh, flittering above the road, ghost a ghostly hitchhiker. And phenom phenom voices and apparitions. You see it all there. What's causing all of this? Could it be a case of uh, immigration of the... Could it be a case of your... That's Stephanie. Your imagination uh, running wild? Or is it something more sinister? That's just the dogs. Locals swear that these events are caused by nothing more than secret secret buried just beneath the asphalt. Sorry about that. Kids came home. I had to stop. So if you are ever traveling in Florida and find yourself unlucky enough to be passing through the I-4 dead zone, be sure to use caution and look twice before changing lanes. You may even see something in your mirrors that you'll never forget. That's some crazy stuff. I might have to read that story on my other podcast. I do that sometimes. I take some of these stories and put them on that one. It's my adult podcast. It's only for the adults, not the kiddos. All right. All right, our next story is Saul Mills City. Road in Connecticut. The Melonheads of Connecticut. Every New England town can claim a ghost and may have a witch in their past. But these same melonheads belong to the own belong to only a handful a oh, handful of places in the southwestern connect in Southwestern Connecticut. The Melonheads live on the uh, outskirts of town on heavily wooded country roads, known as Melonhead Roads. Zion Hill Road, for example, is Milford's Melonhead Road. Sawmill City Road is Shelton's. The Melonheads also supposedly live on the outskirts of Monroe, Stratford Seymour, Weston, Easton, Oxford, Southbury, Fairfield, New Haven, and uh Trubute They look they look like small they look like small small horrendous beings with oversized heads. And I think this is a real disease at one time it was or something, but that mother- the guys really have melon heads. Go check it out. This isn't a ridiculous story. Okay, they look like I got there. small. They really come out from, okay, oversized melon heads, and they rarely come out from hiding. They survive by eating small animals, stray cats, and human flesh, usually the flesh of teenagers. And for runaway teens or hitchhikers who disappear, the melonheads serve as a serve as confident explanations. The melonheads stories about stories about deformed country people, who keep themselves, go back at least a century to uh, Europe. For example, a large family of melonheads supposedly once lived in Be- Bavaro, Germany in the mid-19th century in a an bre- inbred family of melon heads known as the Weeble Heads. I'm sorry, it's not funny, but it is. Weebles wobble, with they, but they don't fall down. Oh, God, just think if you pushed one of them guys over. They couldn't get up. I'm sorry, I'm going to hell. I just, that's funny. We, uh... They were said to live outside uh, Risbury, England around 1900. According to another theory, the term Melonhead may stem from or which, disru- dis- oh, which describes mixed-race people in the Appalachians. They had an ancestry of European outcasts, for uh, freed slaves and Native Americans, and they keep to them, and they kept to them to themselves. Melonhead stories survived in Connecticut after World War II, a time when people moved away from the cities into the suburbs. They probably reflected the uh, New York ex exurbance, prejudice, and fear of isolated rural folk. But how did the Melonheads end up in Connecticut? That's the question. That's the story I'm going to break down. Once, one theory claims that they came from a family accused of witchcraft and banished into the wilderness where they survived and, uh, of course, they were inbred. Through centuries of inbreeding, they, um, Multiplied into melonheads, or mutated into melon heads. According to an, another theory, the melon heads escaped from the Farfield Hills Hospital, a now abandoned mental institute, or corner—excuse me, or corner correctional institute—which specifies an inmates with mental health problems. Before or both are in Newtown, Connecticut. A, ver- a variation on that theme has the melon heads ex- escaping from an escaping from an unnamed mental institution in the 1960s the building supposedly burned some of the inmates escaped and turned to cannibalism which caused their heads to swell similar melon head stories also uh, surface in ohio and michigan an evil doctor crow supposedly conducted experiments on orphans in Kirkland, Ohio. The children escaped, burned down the orphan the uh, orphanage, and retreated into the woods in Michigan. The melon heads were children with hydroxys with. Hmm. Anyways, they was abused in an insane asylum. In Oato uh, County and eventually released into the woods. Wow. Let me get a drink, and we still got more to go. Uh, okay, where was I at? Okay. Now we're going to go over the Blue Grandma. According to legend, back in the eighteen hundreds, a group of girls from the uh, a group, group of a group of girls from Notre Dame High School in Fairfield decided to drive around after a football football or after a Friday night football game. They peeled into Blue, Granada, or piled into a. Where'd it go? Pouting the blue, uh, the blue granada. It's a car, and ended up on Velvet Street in Tumberville, where they looked for the uh, melonheads. The girls parked the car, leaving the headlights on. The they and ventured into the woods. After they walked a couple of hundred feet, they heard the uh, car door slam. Then the engine started, and the car uh, headed forward or headed or headed towards them. They couldn't see uh see the figures inside the size of the children. They had large heads, rags for clothes, and an orange glow in their eyes. <coughs> Some say the melon heads still drive around in that blue granada. Wow. Others' less detailed stories describe mystery figures in the woods. Workers who paved Sawmill City Road and Shelton claim they have heard voices in the woods. Tree, ex- tree experts checking the woods for the uh, fungal or fungi or whatever the freak it is. Investigation thought they saw strange figures lurking in the underbrush reader George Simpson writes that the famous Nike or the famous Nike missile site in the Shelton-Monroe area was alleged to be the haunt of the uh, Melonheads. The legend of the Melonheads isn't the only one and only one to involve deformed or mutated humans. Connecticut also has the uh, Derby uh, Derby Frog people And the faceless people of Monroe. So it sounds like Connecticut's got some crazy stuff, I'll tell you. All right, let's get on with our next story, baby. Okay, our next story is The Devil's Washbowl in Vermont, located on the outskirts of Northfield, the place locals call the Devil's Washbow is a basin-shaped terrain of streams and caves full of, or full of fallen moss-covered rocks. Some people might go there for a hike. Burlington Joe Centro went into a search for Pigman. So you can go here and look for a lot of different things. And just who is the Pigman? His story came to light more than a decade ago when Citro was giving a talk in Northfield. A man by the name of Jeff Hatch stood up to ask if the uh, ask if the local uh, folklorist, author of several books and about Vermont legends, had ever heard of a creature that terrorized his high school dance back in 1971. On that memorial night a group of boys returned from a s- sand pit adjacent to their cemetery behind the school, where they oh where they stashed some beers. Scared and literally crying, recalls Hatch, they were really shook up. The whole group reported having seen a human like creature. Covered in white hair and white hair bound over the hill, kicking up sand with hatch. When Hatch and other partygoers followed the pack of the pit, of course, he did not see anything, he says, except for the uh, cloven, cloven marks in the sand. Around this same time, Hatch says people's uh, dogs and cats started coming up missing. One resident of Turkey Hill, a part of Maine Mountain, reported hearing something rattling around in the trash can. According to Hatch, the fellow ex the according to Hatch, the fellow the follow ex- except to the uh shoe away raccoons. Instead when the when the thing stood up it was all white and covered in hair. Reports gathered by Hatch. Places the creature at somewhere between five foot to five foot or five six foot with a pig like snout and beady eyes. Around the time of the first pigman sightings, rumor has it a fair a fair headed teenage boy disappeared from the Derby farm in Northfield. Some say the uh, some say he became the pigman. Others that he became pigman's dinner. No one seems to have a name for him. Is pigman a monster, a farm boy gone feral, or a figment of a country folks uh, imagination. However, his status is reality. He is one of the stars of the Citrus New Book. And it's called the Vermont Monster Guide. So if you want to check that out, go do that. All right. Get ready for our next story. Got two more left. All right. Our next story is the Anchor Avenue in Illinois. Oh, crap. I never did print that one. Oh well, poop. All right, well we're gonna skip that road and we're gonna do the uh, old Palais Road in Hawaii. Now you you have to go check this out. This used to be a functioning road, and I don't see how barely one car could fit on it. So if two lane, if two cars met, they were screwed. But this is the uh, like I said, the old Pali Road in Hawaii. As a state full of uh, history, including wars, royalty, and mythology, there are countless ghosts who have taken up residence among the 1.5 million residents that call the uh, Hawaiian Islands home. These ghosts reside across the eight main islands, though nowhere is there a higher consideration of Varied it goes stories then along Oyu's o- beautiful and haunted land Okay let's get down to the biscuits and gravy of this story All right there are several legends and tales and paranormal activity near the uh, Pele Highway. There was one there is one story more fascinating than the others. It is said that Paul and the demon comboa, a half man, half pig, had a bad breakup and agreed to never see each other. What the hell? See each other again. Legend has it that they cannot take pork over the Pele Highway because it means that you are taking capeas from one side of the island to the other. If you try to bring pork across, your car will stop and some point along the journey, an old woman with a dog will appear. Wow, so that's a thing. Don't like pork there, but man, I thought freaking Hawaii was like the king of king of pork because aren't they big time spam eaters? I don't blame them for it. I love me some good spam too. Oh, what do we say here? Dating back to night to eighteen forty seven, the structure was only used for a few decades before being abandoned and reclaimed by nature. The small, single-story, three-tiered construction was constructed with Western influence in the the guidance of uh, of Hawaiians. The slightly off-centered windows were... uh, What the hell? Oh, this is talking about a building that's on there. Okay. Where was I at? The three-tiered windows were built as such to order, order to ward off spirits and night marchers. I'll tell you a story about the night marchers one night from Hawaii. That's a pretty cool story, too. Where was I at? Night. Uh, the uh, night marchers, who are commonly thought to roam the area near the Pele Lookout. Unfortunately, you're not allowed to visit the ruins and must simply uh, admire the stunning piece of Hawaii history and photographs. Well, that sucks. Yeah, that would be pretty cool to go there and see that. So, I'm sorry I shorted y'all's story this week. I didn't mean to, guys. I'm so sorry. But I hope you guys have a great night or a great weekend. Hope you like my stories. They're going to be a lot better and a lot more juicier next week, guys. So uh, until then, keep being scary, everybody. And it as been Ghost Stories Told from the South with Stephen LeBooth, guys. Thank you for everyone who listens, and thank you for the downloads. Keep it up. Leave me some five-star rev- five reviews if you want to. And uh, yeah, man, it'll be great. We'll see you later. Have a good one, man. Bye.